If you would love to create a transformational and successful coaching business, but you don't know where to start or how to make this a full-time career, then my new certification program, Influential Coach, is for you. There is no other four-month live online mastermind like this. I'm going all in, guns blazing on this one with you to skyrocket your coaching career and personal brand online. You will learn the frameworks I personally use for rapid transformational coaching so you can support your clients to achieve their dreams no matter where they are in life. You will also learn how to authentically brand and market yourself as a coach so you can stand out from the rest and build a career of freedom and fulfillment. Spots are limited and this is an application only program. So if you're serious about finally committing to building a successful career in transformational coaching, then head over to imjoelbrown.com slash coach and apply today. All right, all right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host, Joel Brown, and I'm here today on the Addicted to Success podcast with Derek Kinney. Derek Kinney is the CEO of Good Money Framework and the host of Good Money Podcast. Uh, Derek built and sold a multi-million dollar financial planning business, which was one of the most respected in the country. And I had a look into all the amazing stuff that you've put out, Derek. I love it. I love that you teach people that you know money doesn't have to be this like icky thing, that we can have fun with it, that we're able to use it for great things in this world, and that we get to make as much of it as we want and not really feel tied to these limitations as long as we can make sense and have a deep meaning behind what we're doing. So I really love this and I believe this too. So I'm really excited to see what you've got to share with us today. And I know that your latest book, Good Money Revolution, has just come out. So this is going to be a, a great and powerful conversation. I'm sure you got a lot of really awesome insights and expansions you want to share with us. So thanks for joining us today. Oh, great to be with you, Joel. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful, mate. So let's talk money. I like this conversation. This is this is good. <laughs> Obviously, you know, right now, uh, you hear all sorts of things in the marketplace around like, what are, where are we going with this? So we're going to bring in central digital currencies. A lot of people are jumping into crypto. Uh, we're in a time where it's really interesting because environmentally, when we look at the last two years, how we've gone through some stages of uncertainty, I have watched just the narrative around money. And I see a lot of people, you have like one side that's super hopeful. They're really, you know, jumping in and taking advantage of this time of technological growth with crypto. And, uh, you know, they're, they're learning more about money because they want to get better at managing it. And then you have the other side where people are like, oh no, what's going to happen? Are we going to go into an economic collapse with this inflation that's coming into play? Uh, so I just want to get an understanding of where's your mindset at when it comes to the time that we're in right now. It's, it's 2022. And we're in the month of January going into February. Where are you at? Well, I think right now I'm cautiously optimistic. And what I mean by that is, you know, we've just finished a record year in the stock market, 2021. But often what goes up comes down and it comes down fast and hard. And really the main issue facing investors right now is not to make a really, really dumb decision. In other words, the temptation is, do I just sell out of what made me all this money? But if they do that and that stock bounces back up, now they've locked in that loss. And easy money is one thing, but easy money made the wrong way is really devastating for so many people. So here's what concerns me right now, Joel. First of all, 
Inflation is not something that most people have grappled with in this generation. They just haven't. It's been benign. It's been 2%. Yes, they see the price of eggs and bread and milk going up, but that's really it. Now they see the price of everything going up. The other thing too is we're seeing wage inflation, which most people think isn't a bad thing, but look, people are probably going to get paid more money. But ultimately, though, you and I as the average consumer will then get that passed down to us in terms of higher costs and higher expenses. And it may mean bad news for companies going forward. So I think right now it's a mixed bag, but I think it's good for people to pull back and really ask not just what's happening in their general economy, but what does this mean to my personal economy right now? Beautiful. Derek, how old are you? I am 52. 52. All right. Awesome. So let's say you were able to jump in a time machine and take yourself back to when you were 18. What kind of advice would you give yourself knowing what you know now and maybe even some of the mistakes that you made along the way as a, as a young buck? Like, what, How would you school yourself? Yeah, boy, that's such a great question. You know, I, I've always been someone to take risks. You know, when I was in high school, I was teased quite a bit about my nose. It was merciless. And, you know, I realized that to get out of that, I would either have to stop being so self-centered and focusing on myself, but how can I serve other people? And so I began to run, I ran for student office. And so I got elected to be student body president in my high school. And it was a way to bring all these different groups of people together where a bunch of nobodies could become a somebody together. And that was a lesson that I took with me later on in life where I realized people want to feel important, valued, and made to feel like they're critical to someone's success. And if you can do that on a regular basis, the likelihood of you being successful is very, very high. So I think what I would do is tell myself, Derek, just remember this teasing, the the bullying, if you will, is temporary. Your best days are ahead and don't be defined by what you see right now, but be defined by what you can create in the very, very near future. I can relate to this. I got picked on at school. I was actually very severely bullied. It turned into really big fights and I ended up dropping out of high school. But there was this like fork in the road. It's like, do I become the victim or the victor? Yes. And uh, I, I think what some people do, this is what I did. I didn't have the tools at the time, but I chose overcompensationary success. So I was like, I'm going to prove them wrong. And that became my driver until I realized all this does is burn you out and there's no, no end to this, right? So yeah, for yeah. you, like what, what's your drivers now when you actually see like the way that you're, you achieve your success uh, and, and the way that you make your money, what do you think that your drivers are that are pushing you forward? Well, I completely agree with what you're talking about because so many people can fuel their desire based on, I'm going to show them, but ultimately that doesn't last. You know, that fuel burns off pretty, pretty, you know, pretty quickly. Right now, when I built my financial planning practice, I sold it about two years ago, had it for about 25 years. I came across something that was very critical to my success and one that I think can help almost everyone listening and watching today. And that is what I call a generosity purpose. So I was always passionate about education. I enjoyed giving money to support local teachers. I would recognize a student of the month. And I wanted to do something that I thought it'd be cool if when I was back in high school, somebody did this for me just to breathe life into somebody, a successful person saying, 
hey, out of boy, you're going to be successful in life. And what happened was, as I began to grow my business, people would want to work with me because I was involved in education. This was the, the wildest thing, Joel, because I thought people wanted to work with me just because, hey, Derek's good with money. He can help you reach your goals. And those were understood and assumed. But because we had similar goals, they knew that, well, Derek likes supporting education and we like supporting education. I bet we'll work really well with Derek. And so I began to get this brand of the community service financial advisor. And so even when the market was down, when competitors came calling, I rarely ever lost a client because those relationships were so sticky. It was more than just money. It was all about meaning as well. I love this. I love this. And, and this is what it is. Do you feel like uh, some people need to go through the passage for a while of, and I, and I call it ambition, because I think that there's two different things. You have ambition, then you have purpose. I kind of feel like ambition is make the, a bunch of money, launch the business, get the significance, do the whole you know dance until you get to a point where you're like, all right, I'm ready for the deeper meaningful now. It's kind of like you get it out of your system. Do you see this as well? I do. And I think one thing for people to be careful about is it isn't a magic elixir that you say, okay, now I'm going to just check this box for my business. Because one of the things that worries me right now about businesses and entrepreneurs is most of them are very commoditized. In other words, people can buy any product or service from almost anyone online or in person. There's very little that really differentiates them. So what I've come to believe is when you can create a cause that you care deeply about and it resonates with your customer base, that is perhaps the biggest lever of differentiation that a business can have. And one thing we know right now, especially with millennials, you know, when I was talking to Damon John about this, he gave the reference about Bomba socks. You know, in the homeless community, uh, socks and, and feet issues are critical. And so Bombas, every pair of socks you buy they donate one pair to homeless shelters all around the country. And Bomba Socks is very open to say, look, our socks are not the cheapest, but they come with a cause. And so what I found interesting was people willing to pay more of their hard-earned money when they know that product or service could be bought from anybody, but it's being bought from someone who's actually making a difference in their local community. So I think right now, 2022, this is the great reset. So many people are re-questioning, what's all this about? I like to make money. Money is good. But by golly, I think I want to tie a cause to my money. And by doing that, you're actually going to be making more money and doing more good. So it's a new way to look at money, but it's also a new way to make even more money as well. Mm, interesting. Interesting. I'm just thinking back over the events that we've run in the the programs are put out. And when we had a contribution element to it, people definitely were jumping onto it. They wanted to feel like they're putting their money somewhere where it actually has impact. I, I think a lot of people feel like they're, maybe they're not playing big enough to be able to have impact. So if they can actually align, collaborate with people that can, and then they utilize that stream, maybe that's, that's a way they can do it. Uh, I actually polled my audience and I think it'd be great to just pull this up. Obviously, in the video version of this interview, I'll be able to see it on the share screen, but I'll just paint the picture for you. So I asked my audience on Twitter, what stresses you out the most? And uh, the thing that came out on top was lack of structure. Uh, 
The second thing was the future. Yeah. So are you seeing this as well when you coach people and teach people about money, about finances? Like there's this lack of structure that's coming into play, maybe even fear of the future, this uncertainty that's affecting them from being able to really create true wealth. Yeah, I definitely see that. And what it looks like to me is, you know, most people really hate debt and they've worked hard to pay it down. Now they wonder what's next. You know, they've had all this energy, almost like working out of, I'm going to show the the bully who is really going to be more successful here. But once I get out of that, now what do I do? And so, so many people I find are worried about the future. They can't afford to get it wrong. And they don't want their parents or their grandparents' financial plan. They want a financial plan custom tailored for their unique goals and dreams. And part of this book is helping people come to grips with where you are right now is where you are right now. And it sounds like a fortune cookie. I get it. But what I want to encourage people and empower people to do is, look, if you feel like you're underpaid right now, which so many people are, I want to teach you how to make more money so that you feel just better about yourself. You can improve your family life. You can save more money. You can experience more of what life has to offer. But what holds people back, Joel, and this is one central point of the book, is people's bad money beliefs. Whether it was when they were kids at the kitchen table and they saw their mom or dad bang their fist on the table and say, if only we had more money, then we could do these other things. Or somebody said, well, other families have the money, but our family doesn't. And people grew up thinking that other people had money and we don't, and that's just how it goes. And that has jaded all of their financial decisions throughout their entire life. I'll tell you a really quick story. So I was in the office just catching up on a few things a couple of years ago on a Saturday morning, and you see the voicemail light blinking and the temptation is, you know, you know, Joel, do I check it? Do I not? Well, I said, if somebody's going to call me on the weekend, let me check and see what's going on. So I picked it up. A woman's frantic voice was on the line. She said, Derek, you've got to call me back. I bounced a check and it looks like I'm going to go to jail. Well, I was like, what in the world are you talking about? So I realized I could either sit on this and call her back on Monday. And we know that bad news only festers and gets worse. But I said, I'm going to call her back right now. And I said, hey, got your message. Tell me what's going on. She said, well, I wrote a check, but I forgot to move money from my checking to savings to cover it. And now I'm going to go to jail. And I'm like, okay, hold on. First of all, on Monday, we'll call the bank together. I will help you move the money at your bank and get that taken care of. But why do you think you're going to go to jail? She said, well, Derek, when I was a kid, my dad bought some school supplies for our family. And he mistakenly wrote a hot check. And she said, the store manager called my dad and said, because you wrote this check, I'm going to have the cops put you in jail. Well, this woman was now 60 years old. And all her life, she thought that if she bounced a check, she would go to jail. I mean, for you and I, that makes zero sense. But those are the beliefs that people base their lives on. And I believe it's held them back. And I want to make sure that we are helping people recraft their money beliefs so they can really go make more money, especially right now. Yeah, this is so crucial, right? Everything I believe is relationships, right? We have a relationship to our business, relationship with our partner, relationship with God, if you have that there, relationship with money and relationship with yourself, right? And I I see this playing out. And 
I definitely took on some money stories from my parents. I remember seeing my mom one day, like in tears, just broken down. My dad had like left a business behind uh, that didn't work out well for him. And she was worried about that and also worried about taxes. And it, it anchored two things in me for a while until I was able to clear it out. One was taxes are bad. And I hated it. I remember every time it came time to manage my taxes, I got a really uncomfortable feeling and I just hated it. And the second thing was I looked at my father and I, I said, I'm not going to be like you when it comes to business. Like I wanted the complete opposite because I wanted to save my mom, right? This is the whole like childhood story thing playing yes, out, yes. becoming the hero in it. And uh, it wasn't until I healed my relationship with my father where I started to gain this new respect and to just speak it out and say, this is what happened and what I noticed. And I'm forgiving you and I'm letting this go, that it changed everything, right? It's just crazy how we can take something on it. Like six years old, I didn't get the world, man. I didn't get right. what was going on in my home, but I was like, it must mean this, right? So we make these assumptions that end up being this little child we carry in us, even when we're 60 years old, like that lady did. Well, that's such, that's such a great point. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll share a dad story with you as well, because my dad would always tell me nothing ventured, nothing gained. And so my first job out of college, I worked for a small software company. And this was the job where my boss actually bounced our paycheck twice. Uh, he would let us know on Fridays that Saturday was a work day when you already had plans with your family. And I realized okay, this is not going to be the long-term job for me. And so after we all had worked a lot of hours, I was the one person that got overlooked for the raise. I was not the engineer. I was the one marketing person in the company. And at that moment, I recognized this was where my dad had to be at his career, where he had to decide would he take the risk and bet on himself, not knowing where the income would come from, or would he stay in this path of letting someone else tell him how much he was worth. And my dad chose that path. I had to choose the other path. And that's what led me to launch my financial planning business and, and grew significantly. But the lesson I would share with your audience, Joel, is even though my dad would come to the precipice of risk and look at it and, and take it in, he couldn't cross that. He couldn't enter into it. His motivation helped me do it. And so for any of you watching or listening right now, I just want to tell you, even though you may not consider yourself to be a risk taker, you can be a voice of encouragement to someone around you, even though you're not doing it, just because you're saying it and you're expressing belief in them, you're helping extract every ounce of potential they have. You could be a powerful force to help them achieve their economic reality that they really want for themselves. Yeah, it's such a good point. Sometimes the belief that we have for somebody else fires them up in the moments where they're down. They, that gives them the lift, like the little knee up, you know? Yeah. So I love this. So, so Derek, obviously right now, because of the whole situation we've been in for the last couple of years, some people have lost their businesses. Uh, some people have uh, <clears throat> had to resort to uh, even losing their job because of the decisions that they've, they've been pushed to make, which really sucks, right? Uh, but, you know, I talk with my audience quite often and we interact a lot. And what I'm getting from my audience is I, I'm, I'm in this understanding that obviously you mentioned before the Great Reset and there's like this plan around it called Agenda 2030. And we could debate the, <laughs> the details of it all forever, right? Um, and there's many factors brought into account. But what I do notice is there's this uncertainty of like what's orchestrated, what's playing here. And with that poll that I shared with you before, I'm going to pull the second one up. 
So we're going to have a quick look, but I asked this question. I'd love for you to look into this and answer. The second one is the question is when it comes to this worldwide planned agenda that's rolling out right now, agenda 2030, what are the, what are you most concerned about? What was really interesting was my kid's future was the number one, mm. like by far 43%. And then the next one is where should I live? 25%. That was probably about a few months back when things were a little bit more rocky. But like, what are your thoughts around this? And then what could we do in the way of thinking about our children's future? Yeah, one of the things that concerns me the most right now is that for many of us, we're all one global event away from losing our job. You know, we saw this with COVID. We see now with Omicron. We see a variety of unintended economic forces that are coming against the average worker, the hard worker out there that provides for their family And they may lose their house, their job, they can't retire, they can't save, they can't provide the lifestyle for the kids that they want. And what I believe it comes down to is we have to begin transforming how we talk to our kids about money. For so many people, we've taught our kids that the the accepted path or the one that everybody goes on is to be the receiver of money, meaning They may go to university, they go to college, they go and then they get a job working for someone else. And not that that's bad, but when push comes to shove, you're putting your financial security in the hands of someone else that ultimately may have to make hard decisions and they may cause you to lose your job. So instead of teaching people to be the receiver of money, I want to teach people to be the creator of money. And this is where when people have a job, for example, Now they're automatically working on a side hustle. They're automatically building something of their own. And this is where we can all be curious together. So, so many people I talk to, Joel, will say, you know, Derek, I don't have any experience starting a company. What could I teach my kids or my grandkids? And what I tell them is just be curious together. Just say, you know what, I've got this idea and explain let me help you learn how to be the creator of money so that you have something of your own that builds value. Let's learn about this together. And let's go to YouTube. Let's go to the books. Let's go to the great podcasts like yours. All these things are resources that you can walk alongside your kids and your grandkids, because I believe that it's really up to us to prepare our kids and grandkids, as you talk about, for the future. Because the the worry is at some point, all the debt, All the inflation is going to continue to corner people in, and it's going to be the business owners, the ones that regardless of whatever happens with future pandemics or economic disarray, they're the ones that have the power and can help continue to provide for their families, which will be even harder, I believe, down the road. Yeah, this is it. I'm I'm noticing, and I actually noticed this quite evidently within the it would have been within the first few months of when we started experiencing this whole pandemic. And I noticed that a lot of the entrepreneurial minded people were like, we've got this. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, just like yeah. they had like beaten, like got ahead of the curve. Not everybody, obviously, but it was like, okay, now is the time to really show like uh, even coaches, speakers, so-called like leaders that were tested. It's like, how are you going to show up now when the pressure's on? Cause it's easy to talk the talk when you, when times are good, but it's like, how do we show up when, you know, it really comes uh, push comes to shove. So 
I did notice that entrepreneurs that are used to being carving their own path, they put freedom first. It's like, we're going to maintain this freedom and we're going to keep going into creation. And some others decided like, oh no, we need safety. And they would listen to everything that the mainstream media said or the government said. They're like, what do we do, right? And so it was interesting to see human behavior just get amplified and we could see it more evidently. Um, I want to know just for your sake here, like, what did you do when you started to hear about this come into play? Did you do anything to like safeguard money or did you double down and look for like where to invest as things dipped for a bit? How do we do like, how do we kind of keep a good strong mindset if there was another like a financial dip or, a, you know, some sort of existential threat come into play? Well, one of the things that I've always been a big fan of is to follow the consumer. And let me explain what I mean by that. So many people make money overly complicated. You know, money is simply a game and there are simple rules to follow. And if you follow those rules, you have as an average investor, the same availability for success as the most seasoned person on Wall Street. But it's just a matter of understanding whether it's individual investments, exchange traded funds, uh, indexes. But let me give you an example. Like back when COVID was raging, you know, I found I was receiving Amazon packages, I mean, several a day. And Amazon was the company keeping my business afloat because they could get resources to me quickly. I said, you know what, if this is happening to me, I bet it's happening all across the country. So I bought quite a bit of Amazon stock and it just shot up. You know, Chipotle is a big food delivery company uh, here in the States. And Chipotle bought that stock because a lot of people were having delivered uh, food to them. A Peloton, a uh, big uh, bike fitness company. People weren't going to the gyms. They were working out indoors. So those were three stocks that I did really, really well on. But then the hard part of that is knowing when to sell. Now, I typically sold before the big drop, which was good. I could have probably made some more money. But in that strategy, that can turn very, very quickly. So the lesson there is whenever there's jokingly that hot stock tip that gets passed on to you, by the time it's made its way to you, it's typically cooled down quite a bit. <laughs> so you want to make sure that you're aware of what's happening. But I think right now, people should have a place in Bitcoin. The NFT space, Ethereum, those, while they've been super volatile, I talk about this in the book, kind of a play account concept, buying a little bit of that every single week, one week it's high, one week it's low, is a way to diversify because it's a trend that is undeniable. You don't want to put everything there because that could really put your retirement in big, big jeopardy. But on days where it does well, you're going to say, hey, that looks great. But when it drops, you're thankful you don't have all your eggs in that basket. Wonderful. Yeah. What's it called? Dollar cost averaging, isn't it? Dollar cost. Yeah, you kind of yeah, buy I, in mm -hmm. as you go. Kind of easing yeah. into it, yeah, which is a great strategy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I do love crypto, man. I think it's pretty awesome. It's interesting. If you look back through history, you see like the French Revolution. I think it might have been 250 years ago, anywhere between like 220, 250. And then before that was the Protestant Reformation. And then you look back, there's another kind of revolution. And it's interesting because I find there's always this in history, it just loops around. It's like this rise of a centralized power that tries to just nudge just a bit too much. And then finally, the people wake up to it and go, we're not having this. And they decentralize as much as they can. And I feel like we're at that point right now. And I wondered, I was like, I wonder if some of this economic play that's happening, if it's coming because 
crypto has taken off? Like, is it trying to like mess around with it? Obviously, we have inflation that we're going to be concerned about. But I'm looking at all this and going, this is a really interesting time that we're in to witness this. And I do think it's really important to diversify. So you hold crypto, you're in stocks and shares. Are you in anything else? Yeah, so I like exchange traded funds. I've always liked the indexes, the S&P 500, the NASDAQ. Uh, I also like individual stocks. You know, I, I like things where there is a trend of technology. You know, one thing that we know is whether it's, you know, the average uh, consumer product or service that's out there, when there's a technology edge to it, it helps drive down the cost and it makes it more accessible to more people. So, you know, like I said, I think right now, gradually easing in to some of these more diversified portfolios is very, very important for people. But, you know, one thing that we see, especially with millennials, uh, upwards of 75% of them all hold crypto. And so when you see an entire generation holding one specific type of investment, that gives you some indication, kind of a bird's eye view that, that investment is likely not going to go away. So even though you may not understand it or even embrace it, putting some money there from an opportunity standpoint, I still think you can make a strong case for that. Yeah, just uh, just learn over time, right? That's that's a key. Yeah, sometimes people jump into these coins at pump. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right. I want the next yeah, 100x. And it's like, uh, it's like, I just imagine a whole bunch of like teen kids r- around a table just throwing in <laughs> chips. And then whoever pulls out first, when they feel like it's gone high enough wins, you know, right, <laughs> it's a right. dangerous game to play. So yeah, like doing your research, guys, looking at, you know, what are the solid usable tech companies, um, you know, who's backing them, what's their roadmap as well, really important things, right, to consider. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. extremely important. And, uh, you know, obviously being diversified, you know, the reason I, I titled my book Good Money Revolution was, that you know, a revolution starts when people have done things for the same way for so long and realize there's got to be a better way. And so part of this is helping people go make more money. So one of the concepts in the book that is extremely meaningful right now, because more and more companies are likely going to give their employees raises this year. And I want people to get the best raise possible, not just the typical cost of living raise, that 3 to 4% that's kind of thrown at you. But how can you add value to your company? How can you have a conversation with your boss and say, I want to help you increase sales, reduce costs, grow the business so that I become a more valued employee. I'm helping you make more money and therefore I'm getting paid more money. And and a simple example, uh, one woman who was an administrative professional who I worked with many years ago, she said, no, Derek, I order all the supplies for our company. And I said, I found ways to save money that could save us a couple thousand dollars a year. I said, what if you did this? Just go to your boss and say, hey, I want to help you save money. What about any savings I find? You give me 20% of that, like a finder's fee. Her boss loved it. Now she became a dollar detective on the prowl, finding ways to save her company money. And she got an incentive to do it. So we've got to think creatively, especially people who are not in sales positions, but it's all about no longer banging on the boss's door, demanding the raise, because your, your boss, in most cases, most people hate to hear this, they don't care that your expenses have gone up and therefore you need more money. They just don't care. What they do care about is how can you help them grow the business so they look better, 
they make more money and odds are they'll be more willing to share some of that money with you as well. Yeah. Amen to that. I'm teaching a lot of my students right now negotiation skills because mm. they're going to need it. You know, if inflation keeps going up, you're going to have to learn how to negotiate with your boss to get a pay rise. A lot of coaches I know undercharge. I know some really incredible coaches that can facilitate great results, but I'm like, you're, what you're charging is you're stuck to that for the last two years. Yeah. We're going to have to bump it up. Unfortunately, you know what I mean? It's just how it is. You got to go with the times. So I love that you're educating people. Um, we're going to wrap up really soon. Uh, you have a seven step framework on how to earn more, save more and give more. Can you break that down just in some bullet points for us that we can uh, write down and take away? Yeah, one of the ways that we want people to rethink their money is so much of what I would call financial planning today is all about if you want to retire, then how much money will it take to do that? Or if you want to send your son or daughter to the school of their choice, how much will it cost to do that? Or if you want to pay down a debt, what will it take to do that? And what I want to do is I want to flip that over, Joel, and I want to say, what instead is your generosity purpose? What is a cause? that you care deeply about, a wrong that you want to right, an injustice that you see in the world, and you want that to be the motivator for you to go make more money. You know, one thing you said earlier I want to tie back to right now, and that is so many people think, well, Derek, I don't have enough money to really make an impact. And one of my guests, my friend Bob Goff, shared with me one time, he said, Derek, if you want to make a difference in the world, start by walking across the street. And what his point was, just look around, just put your antennas up. And even if it's $5 or $10, or you buy a book for the neighborhood, uh, a kid down the street that says, hey, I just wanted you to know that I believe in you. Or here's uh, a first tuition payment for community college for a kid that just needs a leg up. You know, all, all of those things can drive people to make a difference. Because here's what I find. So many people are living behind the eight ball and they're stretched so financially, they don't feel like they're in control of all of their money. And what I want to do is say, even if you have $5 and you give that $5 to a cause you care about, you are in control of that money. Suddenly now, you're the one making an impact. And what I believe is we can help leverage people to then simplify their money. Now we want to set three financial goals is the next step. So many people set 20 goals, 30 goals, and they get depressed when in January, they've not achieved any of them. Just set three goals. I want to pay down my debt of a certain amount. I want to retire. Whatever the goal is for you, put that on a sticky note, stick it to your bathroom mirror, on your nightstand, put it in your car. And the goal is you're laser focused on that. Then you want to have a simple investment strategy. And in the book, I just walk through step-by-step step how to do that, but also weaving, giving into that, and no longer thinking about giving as when I give, I lose and somebody else wins. This is all about using that giving to motivate me to make more money. Because ultimately, when the accounts drop or things get hard and life gets really, really difficult, when there's a cause that you believe in and you're helping impact the lives of other people positively, that's a driver that gives you fulfillment. And when you lay your head on the pillow at night, you know that you made a lasting difference. Derek, this is powerful. Uh, if you're listening right now, I hope you wrote these down. Rewind it, pause it, do whatever you need to do to get these notes down and, and follow it to a T. Thank you, Derek. This is awesome. Yeah, I, had, I was speaking with somebody that was talking about tithing, right? Yeah. And giving back. And you know, God calls us to, to tithe 10%. And so a lot of people are like, wait, 10% like out of your whole paycheck? Like that's a lot of money. 
And, and I said to someone recently, it's not about God needing the money from you. It's like, he doesn't need the money. You can give him a hundred percent and it still isn't actually enough. Right, it's right. like he created all the resources on the planet. And so we're, we're able to utilize it. But what he's really calling us to that is that higher ground of breaking off and trusting him that there'll be more given unto us and to be good stewards of money. And I love that you teach this, how to contribute, how to really bring in that element so that you keep the money circulating and the abundance coming. Thank you so much, Derek. I really appreciate you, mate. This has been an awesome, awesome episode. Uh, where can we get your book, Good Money Revolution? Where's it at? Yeah, so actually what we've done is we put together two free bonus videos to accompany the book. And so you can go to Amazon and buy it or go to goodmoneyrevolutionbook.com, goodmoneyrevolutionbook.com. And there is a link to get the two free downloadable videos uh, and you'll get a copy of the book. It's on pre-order right now. It uh, comes out February 22nd, but our goal is we will, we've got a big goal, Joel. Our goal is to get 10,000 pre-orders by February 22nd to really launch this movement in a really big way. And I believe the people who buy this book early and begin to implement these principles will really have a leg up over a lot of other people because they're going to be making more money, doing more good for themselves and their businesses. And they're really going to be making progress a lot quicker. So goodmoneyrevolutionbook.com. Yeah, beautiful. Hey, I love it. I'm getting behind it. I'm going to share it. As you saw on the poll that we did with our audience, yes, yes. they want to know about this, You know, how to get more structure, how to make decisions in a powerful way. Uh, the finances is one of the biggest areas in categories of life where they have the most interest to like, how do I, you know, get this up? So let's do it, man. Let's get it out there. Let's, you know, if you're listening right now, get your hands on the book and uh, Derek, thank you so much, mate. We end every interview with this one last question. This question is, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What I would say is to leave it all on the table. Don't go to bed tonight, if there's an idea or a dream or a goal that you've got, take action on it and put it out there. Because I believe that someone's life is better off because of your action. People need you right now more than ever. Inaction will cause them not to have the action they want in their lives.